Want to know the top 20 HBCU prospects in the draft this year? Coach G comes by with his list to break down the elite players, but then also the biggest risers and fallers. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. You see it right there at the bottom of the screen but if you don't that means you're on the audio side of things and don't forget the s on the end today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network you can visit them at fanduel.com slash locked on to make every moment more and Coach G is back with us on a back-to-back, but unlike the Lakers, he is going to provide another victory, another W episode, because he has his top 20 prospects in the NFL draft from an HBCU. And we're going to start off talking about the class of the HBCU draft cycle. That's the wide receivers. All right, Coach G. To me, the class of this draft cycle is the wide receivers. So when I'm looking at Bonds, Davis, Daniels, and Smith, you have them ranked in that order. Why that way? Because I have a couple of questions about it. Well, keep it simple and plain. Um, Bonds is the most, is the best overall receiver when you take athleticism, size, route run ability, catchability, blockability, ability to get open. He can play all across the board, multiple positions. Uh, I love, like I said, I love his size. He can run everything in a route tree. He could do a little bit of Shaq Davis stuff, and he could also do. A little bit of Xavier Smith and a little bit of Dallas James stuff as well. So I think when you just look at the overall picture, he's the best, most well-rounded guy. Shaq Davis, you get what you get. You're going to probably get a couple drops here on the shorter routes, more intermediate routes, but you're going to get you a nice big play. You give it to him on a short route, he could take it to 80 for 80. Right. You give him a nice deep ball, nice go route, he'll jump over someone's head, <laughs> land, and outrun the rest of the defense. So I'm okay with that. Um, Xavier Smith, um, you know, the hype has become a little more and more and more, you know, as people outside the HBC realm started to, you know, pick up on him. So I'm, I'm happy to see that for him. But I mean, you know, I, I like Xavier Smith. The only difference, he would probably have been higher if there was some sort of, you know, for a smaller guy, you got to be able to, you know, be solid in the kick return, pump return game. So that's like a big, I mean, we're not knocking his bar receiver ability. I mean, he's shown that he can catch the rock. At a really high clip, he doesn't drop a lot of passes. He's all across the field. He's going to be primarily a slot next level, and some teams going to take a shot. I don't want people to think that Zay Smith is not going to be a professional football player. He might not be NFL right away, but Zay Smith will be catching touchdowns in somebody's league at some point. And Dallas Daniels, uh, for me, Dallas, he's he's like, like I said, he's not like the the most 
when it comes to the athletic point of view, it's like he doesn't wow you with his athleticism, but he finds ways to get open. And he's a willing blocker. Uh, he knows how to get into finding ways into the zone middle and uh, find uh, ways to get open. Um, and I just honestly, I truly believe he'll be a primarily a slot receiver, but I think he has outside receiver size and ability. I believe he's about 5'10", five, 5'11", five, pushing about 190. So that's a nice size for a slot, a slot receiver, also a nice slot, uh, size for an outside receiver as well. So, yeah, like you said, that – those wide receivers, man, it's a really deep wide receiver class. I think outside the edge rushes, man, they're they're the top guys, you know, on my on my list anyway. And you talk about Smith's size, so you have him at you have him at four, right? Uh, well, I'm sorry, let me make sure. I don't want to uh, say it wrong. Uh, I have yeah, Zay Smith. Well, he in my top twenty. Are we talking about my top twenty? Or are we talking just about amongst wide receivers? Oh yeah, so yeah, Jada's first, Shaq's second, uh, Dallas is third, and Zay is uh, fourth. Now, if Xavier Smith was two inches taller, where would he fall in within those four? I, you know, if Zay Smith was five eleven, six foot. We talking about he could possibly be an X receiver, like you know Tyreek Hill, you know. But he has the ability to be moved around, you know. Uh, but you know, if he's six feet tall, hundred and hundred seventy pounds, that's like that's like uh, the kid from uh, uh, the kid from the Eagles. Oh my God, I can't remember his name. Smith, Devontae Smith. Yeah. Yeah. And you see when he get hit hard, he don't get up too fast. So, you know, but, you know, he's been known as he was came into it as an X receiver. So, I mean, end of the day, that's where he was going to – well, not X receiver, outside receiver. I won't say he's an X because we all know the X is A.J. Brown. But, yeah. you know, he you know he he could play outside receiver. And he could play – move around the slot. I mean, all these – end of the day, all these guys got to be versatile. You got to learn how to run routes in every position. And Zay – you know, in his career at FAMU, he's been primarily a slot guy, but they moved him all around. And, you know, I would say, yes, if Zay was six foot even, that'd be a different conversation. But, you know, I guess, you know, it's one of those things, you're an FCS guy, and, you know, if you're not, like, phenomenal on top of being a special team, at least being serviceable on special teams, it's going to be a little rough. That's why I urge, like, when I go to these practices and talk to coaches and I hear them say, yo, our best players are going to play special teams, that's what you're gonna to do to get them to leave. That's Ooh. what's gonna happen. Like if they, if they don't play some sort of special team, it's gonna be rough. So but they that kind of hurt them a little bit from just the people I've been talk, I've talked to when you're an undersized guy. Uh you just have to have some sort of kick return special teams ability. But I don't think they needed him there. I mean, I don't think so. I don't think family They had Sheree doing yeah, that, I mean, you know. So I mean they didn't really need him there. So I guess I can't knock him. I mean, could he have asked for it? I'm sure Willie wouldn't have said no. But, you know, he probably didn't know. He didn't know that people were going to hit a draft stock over his kick return, pump return ability. Yeah, so my favorite position is the wide receiver in this class. Mm -hmm. If you don't think that's the best, it sounds like it's it's edge rusher. Now, first off, do you have a bias because you are a defensive line guy? Or you really think that even if you were a cornerback expert, you would look at this edge rusher slash defensive tackle class and say that's that's the best players in this draft? Uh, God, that's hard because, you know, I, I got to give a slight edge to the receivers, man, because you just look at Jada, Shaq, Dallas, Xavier, then I have, bro, on my list, I have Isaiah Land, I have Andrew Farmar, Keyshawn Moore, I have uh, Jermaine McDaniel, and I have uh, Ronnie Thomas. Right. Now, honestly, those, those are, I mean, you can go either way. It, those it's are really, good. really solid players either way. So those, I mean, it's honestly a tie. Like, those guys are 
but those those two groups are but that's that's HBCU football for the most part. Like we're we're known for our big guys. Now for right. our receivers, you know, as of late, you know, we haven't been getting a lot of receivers getting drafted and put and put into different leagues, but I'm starting to see an uptick. XFL, we have really we have well, I think it's about two, three receivers right now that are actually playing very well. I know off the top of my head is Chris Blair from Alcorn and Justin Smith from uh, Norfolk State. And then we have Izard from Howard. Is a, he plays on the uh, defenders as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, our, our whole mark is on our guys up front, clearly. But, you know, our receivers are pretty good. It's probably the best wide receiver class that HBCUs have had in – Pretty long time. I mean, if people don't want to add Tank Dell, which I wouldn't, you could add him too. I know, yeah. Oh yeah, but you know, but yeah, I, I personally don't. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I just I'm, feel like he's been gone for long enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes, that's that's how I, that's how I, I'm I'm very much so. The only player who gets like dual citizenship for me is probably Jalen Hurts. He feels like an Alabama and Oklahoma guy because I just can't take his Alabama roots from him. You know, oh. but but I do feel like Oklahoma made him. Eh, with us keep it on the HBCU realm, but that's the only person I wouldn't put Tank Dell into that Jalen Hurts category. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't. But we're gonna dive into some of the other players, some of the risers and fallers as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. And listen, if we're talking about the Lakers failing to win on a back-to-back so they're dropping to the seventh seed, if we're talking about the Pelicans possibly getting out of the play-in game, or maybe the Mavericks making sure that they don't fall out of the play-in game. Either way, you have to make sure you're putting money down on that on FanDuel. And if you get it wrong the first time, because you know what? Players mess up too. Sometimes you just can't get your bet right the first time. That's okay. Don't worry about it. FanDuel believes in second chances and they're going to have the first bet no sweat. Meaning, even if you lose your first bet, you're going to get up to $1,000 back in free bets so you have another chance, another chance, and another chance to make your money back. You got to go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. Sounds like the easy choice to me. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. As we continue rolling with today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And also, Go to Draft HBCU. Get yourself the draft guide. My guy, Coach G, is here, and he's breaking down so many things for us, talking about his top 20 prospects, and that will be up. We're only going to go on some players. We're not going to break down all 20, but you can catch that on his Twitter. It'll be up Friday morning. We're posting this Friday morning. It'll all be there. But some of the fallers between the first draft you sent me and the final draft were Kamari Averett and Dejon Warren. What did you see in between those two drafts that said, you know what, these guys got to fall down the list a little bit? Yeah, I had Kamari top 10, and then I, I'm not going to lie, I was just a little 
caught off guard off from his uh, pro day. I just didn't think he was going to. I, I thought he was going to test better. I'm just going to be very honest with you. I thought he was going to test better. Um, it seems like, I mean, from what I'm hearing now, it's like people love a lot of tight ends in this draft. I didn't think it was going to be yeah. that. I mean, I thought it was going to be about two, three tight ends that everybody was loving. Now it's, we're talking about five, six tight ends that people are in love with. So the chance of him, you know, drafted is slowly declining. But, you know, the chance of him playing professional football is still there. I mean, he could still get picked up and brought into camp. And then we bring that big body into camp. You get him for cheap. And you know how that goes. People want to get the best player they can for the cheapest they can. That's why mm-hmm. Lamar is in the situation he's in. So, you know, we got Kamari Averett. It's not a knock on him. It's just that there are other guys who have, you know, done better in the uh, postseason draft process. And I just, you know, it's not a knock on him. It's just, hey, like, you're going to get your shot. But that pro day, yeah. just, it was just concerning me. But I just didn't think so. And then Warren, you know, Nugget, the same thing. I don't, I, I guess I talk to everybody. Nobody knows what's up with Nugget. I'm just, it's just, what I thought he was gonna do and be, it just hasn't materialized. As, as you know, as I, it just hasn't materialized. So, I mean, the, the the just from the little things of like, it just seemed like a confidence thing. Maybe, maybe it could be the technique is a little. I don't know what it may be, but I just know that I didn't expect him to run a four five seven. Like that's the last thing I expected. Right. Like you couldn't tell me he wasn't gonna run a sub four four. Like you couldn't tell me that. You couldn't tell me he wasn't gonna jump out the gym. You know, you have a crazy. Like I just. Envision a Byron Jones like pro day, but guess who had that? Yeah, Isaiah Bolden had that. That's what. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, we knew Isaiah Bolden was an athlete, but we didn't think him and Nugget were this far apart when it came to athleticism. I it just didn't look like it. And you know, I guess I had to I had to go back to the film. And I had to really look and just like something was just off. I don't know if Nugget was hurt. Is he playing hurt? Do I still think he's a great football player? You know, or can be a great football player? Sure. Do I think he needs to go to USFL a little bit more, or get his confidence back and develop a little more? Hell yeah. <laughs> I can hear there's, it. Nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want these guys to understand. You have been selected to play professional football. Everybody's not going to make the NFL off the rip. You should take advantage of the opportunity and just be happy. You know, I'm not saying settle, but be happy. Like, yo, you're getting the opportunity to play professional football. You make some money. And I heard they have really good benefits. They have, you know, good benefits and stuff. You know, help you with paying off your school if you have that. Is that like, you know, it's it's a good thing. So I don't want him to look at it as a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. Like if he has to go develop a little more in the USFL before he gets to the NFL, sure, he has a heck of a story to tell. So that's a beautiful, thing, you know. <laughs> and then on the flip side, a way more positive flip side, you have the guys who rose, and that's one of the things that I really appreciated from being able to see the first draft. And I know I gave you a hard time for changing it, but it gave some of the storylines. When I see a guy like Claudine Cherilis, when I see a guy like Ronnie Thomas go from not being in the top 20 to being at the bottom of the list around, I think 20 and 19, I think they were actually 20 and 19. Mm-hmm. What did they do to, to jump some of the other guys like Joshua Pryor? Claudine is a really good athlete. And it, you know, when you look at the, do the numbers match the tape? His numbers match his tape. The athleticism you see, you saw the pro day matches his tape. He's a really good athlete. Uh, I think for him, it's just that it's more about a need for him because he's an FBS transfer. You know they love those guys in HBCU football. So he's naturally going to get a shot somewhere. I'm shocked that he wasn't picked up by the USFL over some other guys, you know, that were picked from the linebacker position. I was really shocked. Um, but come to tackling ability, he could do that. He's a hard hitter. 
He has the athleticism and ability and size to be able to cover. I believe he should be. He could be a better cover guy. He's more. He's more athleticism and technique in coverage. But when it comes to run stopping, all oh, he's one of the best. He's up there with Aubrey, and he's like, and he's a he's a really he's a bona fide run stopper, which is fine. That's a good way to start. So I'm just trying to find like a system for him. He can play a mic, but he also comes off the edge too. So he's like one of those. You see this new thing where they need these edge, these Mike linebackers are just going down to the on the uh, on the edge, and now they're becoming edge rushes on on pass rush situations. So, you know, Mike, everybody wants the next next good thing. So when they saw Michael Parsons, they hey, he's an inside linebacker, now he's an edge rusher. They want guys like that now. So that's why you see a James Houston that can play off ball backer. And then hey, third and long, go ahead on the edge. So can I see Claude Sherrill doing that? Yeah, he's big. He's like I think he's about six two, six three, two hundred forty plus pounds or whatever it may be. Sub four, I think four five forty, super nice. Yeah, I mean he's a he's he's a good athlete. And for Ronnie Thomas, man, I'm I'm a praise him, man, because I talked to Ronnie for an hour the other day, and you know I was just like, you're you're a game changer, man. Like I don't think you understand that you're a five nine edge rusher and you have been picked up by the CFL, and like the world in the street is NFL teams, you know they they like Ronnie, but you know okay. it, it is that thing. He's five nine and a half, five ten, but he's two hundred fifty pounds. And I'm yeah. a big believer in you got these tall offensive linemen. This, but so many times they could get that low and block you. So eventually, Ronnie's going to get through, and he's shown that. He showcased that for, for a while at Mississippi Valley. He's a five ten, five nine and a half edge rusher that made out of Mississippi Valley School, picked up by the Canadian Football League. So Shout out to him. It's NFL Canadian League. Everybody know that. And for that, it's just maybe they, from what I'm hearing, they want to see what he does in Canadian League. And you never know. Ronnie might end up on someone's NFL roster. At least someone would come in the camp and just say, yo, fight for a position. You just never know. So, yeah, when I, you know, I want to put him top 20, I just didn't know how people felt about him, man. I'm like, he didn't get a look yet. I'm like, what is going on? I think somebody got pulled the trigger on him. And I saw he got a trigger pulled. It was, it was, man, you go. Everything you needed to say. Top 20. Yeah. Like, it's, you can almost like, you, you know, because the work we do, man, it's just like, you know, we, 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 these kids are achieving their dreams, man. I just feel like we help them. So, just, you know, I can, you could just, I just sit back and just reflect, like, man, I've been scouting Ronnie for about two, three years now. It's just like, wow, man, he, he made it. Like, it's just, it's like, you feel like you just, you just happy, man. You just happy. Yeah. You know, that's all. Just, you know, I ain't going to get all emotional. So it's just like, yo, you just, We've put in the work, man, and then our guys are becoming successful. And Ronnie's the type to give back to the university, so he's gonna make his money. He's gonna give back. He's a good. Like, it's just that's what we want. We want to get guys to where they want to go, so they can come back and help. And then it's a, it's a, it's gotta keep the train moving. So yeah, I just want to shout out Ronnie. That's a little, a little slightly off topic, but no, like this is this is this fits. I think it really fits within the realm of the HBCU landscape, talking about guys achieving the dreams, being doubted, a 5'9", 250 defensive end. Like, it fits the mode. It, it fits the mode. I think you were, you were right to do it. And I want to get to some of the guys that you love. I want to get to the elite of the elite prospects as we continue with Locked on HBCU. As wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day and also making it all the way to segment three. I still have Coach G of Draft HBCU. Once again, we're only going over 
a subsection. And we're going to talk about a bunch of players, but we're going only over a subsection of the guys. There's probably going to be 10 people we don't mention. So please go to my guy's Twitter and look up the top 20 players that he's going to have posted for you. I want to talk about that top five. That top five didn't change. One through 15, or excuse me, six through 15, everybody changed. Nobody stayed in their spot from draft one to the final copy. But those top five, they stayed exactly the same in the exact order. Why are those the elite of the elite prospects? And that was Land, Evans, Bonds, Davis, and Miller. Why were those not in that order? But they'll get the order no, I got when you. They'll get the order when they go to your team. No, I got you. But what made those the most elite? These are the guys that have they have the best resume. Um, these are the guys that did literally everything, everything, everything in their power. That everything they can do to to write their to write their ticket, to, to book their ticket, whatever, however you want to phrase it, they did it and. You know, the postseason all-star games, the, 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 the regular season accolades, the pro day, they did everything they're supposed to do. Uh, Jadakus Bonds ran and had a pro day that I pretty much expected, a 4-5, kind of 40, nice vert, decent broad, looks really smooth and, <laughs> really smooth and, and fluid in his uh, position drills. Doesn't drop the ball. That's Jada. Jada did everything. He played in one of the toughest conference in college football. He bounced around conferences throughout his career. And he was all conference every year, regardless of the conference he was in. What else do you want from him? Nothing. There's nothing else you need from him. Mark Evans has been a starter since his freshman year. Right. Swag has been known to produce some really good offensive linemen, especially tackles. Definitely within the past 10, 15 years. Shout out Armstead. You know what I'm saying? Armstead is like, and then, granted, they went to the same school. So and then you have, like, Titus Howard. You know, it's just you got guys like that. And these guys were picked very high. You know, are they – He's you know, Evan's not the same player as those two. And I was comparing them because they're just a little different players. They're different players. But Evans literally did everything. When I was all-conference, he played against FBS opponents. Like we always say, yeah, out-of-conference schedule matters. And he played well against the out-of-conference uh, opponents. He gets picked for a postseason bowl game. He plays well during uh, during the bowl game. He did well during the practices. He's interviewing well. Everything. There's nothing else Mark needs to do. Mark has literally solidified himself to get drafted. If he oh let me let me let me cut you there because of the five you have him number one. Mm-hmm. It, are all of those things what set him apart from the other guys? Or if it was it was kind of like just it was kind of like nitpicking. It was it was, it was well need is a hair need is the biggest thing. Eighteen. Listen, every team could use another offensive lineman. This the way these edge rushes are nowadays, the way these defensive tackles, like it's become now is like some of the team's best pass rushes are in the interior. So, and, so for a guy like Mark Evans that can play all across the board, and he has a pass rush ability, um, pass blocking ability that we have seen on film and a lot of scouts love. He just on top. I, yes, out of everybody on this list, for the most part, I think him and Shaq in the top. I think they're the only ones that. Started at HBCU for four plus years. I think maybe Jada as well. You know what I'm saying? And actually, no, that's funny. No, Land Aubrey right. is the only one that didn't play at HBCU for more than uh for more than uh, t- uh two years. Everybody else in this list has been a they came into that school and that's where they leave. So it's like that makes and I'm not trying to do it you know, separate anyway like that. But it just no, it just, I understand what you're Yeah, from. it just feels a little different. It's like man, they went they went through it for. Four years, three years, they went from freshman to senior year, straight HBCU, 
dealing with whatever you want to call it, and yeah. they made it. So it just feels a little different. It just, it just, it just, it just feels different. So for Aubrey, Aubrey putting this time. When you think of Aubrey, you don't even think about Missouri. Nobody does. I definitely don't. But when you think about Mark Evans, you know he was at UAPB. He was there his whole career. Isaiah Land was there his whole career. Did it because Bonds was in Hampton his whole career. Shaq Davis was in Orangeburg his whole career. So they literally did everything you could take from a true FCS HBC process. They did everything that you can ask for them. Every single thing. The postseason games they did, out of conference game they did, especially Shaq, because listen, when you play at South Carolina State, I'm pretty sure they tell you, like, yo, we're gonna play South Carolina or Clemson or some FBS school at least once or twice a year. And you just gotta play. And guess what happens when you yeah. play well against them? You end up like the eight other eight to nine players they have in the NFL. That's I think that might be the most out of that has to be top five out of any FCS program. There's I can't name too many FCS programs that have currently eight, at least eight players on a practice squad or active roster in the NFL. That is a lot. And considering the budget, considering the endowment, considering the resources that Cyclone State has compared to other FCS schools, for them to have eight players in the top two right now, <laughs> I think Darius Leonard and, and Javon Hargrave, when you think about it, right, they're making well over Twenty million dollars a year, almost pretty much. Hargrave just got him a new yeah. One. Like combined, they're making well over twenty million dollars a year. South Carolina State's endowment, I, I looked up, was four million. So that's what I'm saying. Now we have guys that have made it out, made it out HBCUs. They have money to be able to do whatever the heck they want, and they love the institution. They get back. That's the plan. That's that's what I think people don't understand. It's not just us just scouting these guys. Like yo, like give you. We want to put you out there so you can get the opportunity to change your life and the people that come after you. So, like, it's so that's why my top five is not going to change. That's not saying right. the top 10 is still solid because you got Andrew Farmar. Even though I love Andrew. You know what I'm saying? I love it. I've been very high on Andrew. Andrew and Keyshawn Moore. Keyshawn Moore, those are my two. Yeah. Favorite. He jumped into the top 10. Yeah, those are my two. Yeah, you got favorite. it. You know, they, and then I had to, well, I'll just throw it out there Keenan Isaac. He had it made up, and the team made it to the top ten. He's already drafted by the USFL. Oh, did he? He's at ten. Yeah, he's at ten, right under uh, Dallas. I thought he was a. Uh... Yeah, the new one. Yeah, he's right under Dallas. You know, I was looking at both of them. I thought, I thought uh, Isaac was at eleven. I didn't even realize he creeps into yeah, the uh, top ten. In the top ten, because you know, end of the day, you know, I love tall corners, man. And I, it's mm-hmm. nothing like a tall corner. It, it, I mean, he's not Josh Williams when it comes to like you know the movement, the fluidity. But he's good. Like Keenan, and here we go again. He did everything he's supposed to do. All conference, played well out of con. He played well out of conference. He he, he went to uh, he went to a postseason bowl game. Two of them. He had a solid pro day from what I heard. And here we are. Like what else? He doesn't need to do anything else. Everybody on that. Everybody right. they, they they did everything they supposed to. So I am completely so I'm I'm at peace. Like, I have nothing else draft-wise to talk with these guys and everything they're supposed to do. Now, we just got to, you know, we got to leave it up to the execs, and we'll just see uh, what happens. But these guys did everything they're supposed to do, and we did everything we could to make sure we promote them the right way and coming on your show and me being able to talk about them as much as I appreciate it. It's just – it's come full circle. So now we just wait. And then, you know, when draft day comes and we hear these names, all I can do is just – 
If someone's yeah. in love, I'll hit them up. I'll hit them up either on phone or i hit them up on Instagram or something. Just like, oh, you made it, man. Congrats. Now, next step. Keep going. So, And I appreciate Man, I appreciate you coming on. Look, just I want you guys to know that on tomorrow's episode, or not tomorrow, tomorrow's Saturday, <laughs> but on, on Monday's episode, we're going to continue with the draft talk. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. We're going to get into real draft mode. We're going to tell you some of the guys or some of the things you need to look for when trying to predict where these guys are going to go, which HBCU players are going to get drafted. And along this process, we will have Coach G. Don't worry. We're not going to do like like a hip-hop did and leave all the New Yorkers in the past. and just <laughs> Nas really dropped the platinum album three years in a row. But it's okay. He had, he had to go click up with somebody from the West. It's okay. It's okay. He had, he had to do that. Oh. Yeah, oh. but it, it, I appreciate oh. you for oh. making us your first listen of the day. Every day. Oh, oh my gosh. For your second listen, check out Locked On College Basketball in the meantime and between time. If oh. you're looking for me, you can follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. <laughs> Until the next time we hear each other, family. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace. <laughs> hey, yo. Uh, you made that very clear, huh? <laughs> South.